Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? It is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Hello and welcome into the College Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And Andrew, it is 2023, rankings release day, the finality of it. It's over. Done. After today, we are recording this January 26th, the morning of... 734 Central Time. This will come out later this afternoon after we release the final top 247. And Drew, congrats are in order. I got my coffee mug right here. I'm I'm cheersing you a- across the streaming platform. Your first one in the in the books. The cycle is done. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, but let's let's be clear. This is not my 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 work. It's a team effort. And I really came in. At the end, I guess I would I would be a closer getting call, called in from the bullpen. I mean, this has been you, Chris Singletary, Gabe Brooks. I mean, the whole team effort, really. And I think a lot of consumers and fans and, and people that read this believe that we just work on the one cycle um, and, and just look at senior film and that's it. And I'll say that's far from the case. You know, we always talk about working out of these Google Documents, and I think one of the coolest things I realized, I don't know, it was a few days ago, um, that Google Document, you can go back to the heart of the pandemic when we did position audits on this 2023 group. So those would have been kids that had just finished their sophomore seasons. Um, And and you can see what you wrote about them. It's all stored. Uh, And then you fast forward to their junior seasons, their senior seasons. We get that final live exposure at the All-American Games, and then we put a bow on this thing. So I'm glad it's over. But again, it's a huge team effort. I mean, we have a big network of people. Um, It's not just one singular week. Uh, This is really years of work. And I'm just glad it's over. And and I'm ready to attack 2024 after uh, my bachelor party, because that's post-signing day. Um, And then we'll get right into this thing. We'll get this thing going. Uh, But Coop, no, man, I'm glad you've been along for the ride, because there's been some some highs and there's been some certainly some lows and there's been some some friction at all different levels. Part of the process. And I, I think you put it very well, you know, in terms of like people always ask us, what are these meetings like? And there's a lot of pride between all of us individually because we pour a lot of time into it and we care and we want to put the best product out there. And you shouldn't agree on everything. That shouldn't be the way that it should goes, right? I, it, there's going to be. I like that, when we debate. <laughs> 100%. And that's that's where it should be. 
because when there is debate, you feel better about the product at the end. And, and, and that way you talk everything out, you go through all the variables, everything that you have to consider when making these type of moves. And then you add in the, the consumer aspect of this, it, you got to have your ducks in a row, right? Because forward facing, Andrew, you are the face of this as the director of scouting and you have to go on the 24-7 sports platform in a variety of different ways, whether it's going on the YouTube channel to be able to explain the moves that we're making or going on message boards or even private conversations that you're having with people behind the scenes. So there is a lot of time and a lot of humility there from Andrew Ivans. Drew, you, the, the process has been a lot better from day one since you've joined that. A couple other things. Where is the where is the bachelor party? St. Pete. St. Pete. Yeah, I don't know if it's St. Pete or St. Pete Beach. Just like hey, how I, I have no idea what's going on with the wedding. Don't really know what's going on with my bachelor party. We had some oysters <laughs> down there in St. Pete, didn't I know, we? I know. What was the okay. name of that spot? Was it the Oyster Bar? I think it was the Oyster Bar, yes. Love that. And then love it turned that. into like a nightclub at, at like 9 p.m. Yeah, I love the versatility there. That was <laughs> that was a good spot. The other thing, I love the closer. I, I love you know coming in, calling yourself the closer. If you're a closer, I have a guy in mind for you. John Rocker. You remember that guy? <laughs> no. Okay. You need to Google him once we get but, out of but, here. You know, this doesn't need to be like, I didn't say I was coming in and, and throwing like a scoreless inning. Like you guys could have turned to me and be like, hey, you got a 13.1 ERA. We need you to eat some innings here. And I'd have been like, all right, guys, just get, you know, give me the ball. Give me the call, coach. That's uh, John Rocker. That's <laughs> his vibe. I mean, he, he used to spray it all over the place. That guy, liability. All right. Drew, great show today. I know you and I are really looking forward to this because we can kind of get in the weeds a little bit. We can nerd out. But we got a couple great categories. We're going to start out prospects outside of the top 32, outside of the five-star range that keep us up at night. And I really like this one because it's there were a handful of guys outside of the top 32 that were heavily debated on whether or not they should be in. So we'll talk about that. We're also going to pick one or two players in each round outside of the top 64. So rounds three through seven that we believe could potentially develop into a day one NFL draft choice. And then we're going to play a little game of categories, if you remember that from growing up as a kid. I'll name a category. You'll pick the player that best fits that description but let's start at the top drew and let's let's go back to that topic prospects outside of the top 32 that keep us up at night and well, you, well, could, could you, you can point out that you can find our rankings right now our final our, our final 32 on 247sports.com we gotta 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 plug the site so people can have that 32 that is a good point if you're <laughs> looking for the top 32 you can find it on 247sports.com obviously at the time of this show coming out, you will be able to access that. So, Andrew, I, the, the good part about this on this rundown, I don't know which way you're going. So I want you to start and tell me the one or two guys, or maybe even three, I think that's what we picked, that you say, wow, I really hope we got this right, this guy not being a five-star. Or you're gonna you're gonna have nightmares or 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 dreams about it, or you're gonna feel uneasy about it. I think the list starts, and and someone some people might scratch their head, but you know because this guy's he's number forty in our rankings. But Damon Wilson, uh, the edge rusher, headed to Georgia, 
from Venice, Florida, um, guy that was on my freaks list. I think, and I have continued to say this, I think he's one of the best pure pass rushers in the class, and he might be the best just just pure pass rusher. Um, really was hoping to see him at the All-American Bowl. He went through um, check-in, got measured by Cooper, and then shut it down. I, I, I don't know. We, we still haven't got an a- answer of what happened there. Maybe he didn't like his measurements. Oh, no. um, he said, let me get out of here. Yeah. Uh, but a guy I've had a ton of exposure to, um, he had some big battles as a senior, went up against Francis Malagoa in IMG Academy, went up against Lucas Simmons, the Swedish transplant that signed with Florida State. So those are two top 64 offensive tackles. Didn't really think he had the best of performances, but I think, and just talking with some guys at the different level, like Damon, w- w- when he gets to Georgia, they're not going to ask him to play first and second down against the run. It's going to it's going to be come in and rush the passer on third down. So I think that's how he's going to get his feet wet. And then I think his game's going to evolve. And I'm nervous, man. Again, going to Georgia, the two-time defending national champs, uh, they had, what, just five defenders go in the first round of the NFL draft. I mean, they're so good that guys transfer out to other schools and get selected early on day one, day two. So – he is definitely one I feel nervous about. I'm probably going to hear a lot about it uh, in my household if he does. Uh, he, he went to the same high school as my my fiance at, at Venice High School there. So he's one that I will be following closely, and we'll see. I, I mean, we still really like him, number 45 overall player in the country. But, man, when you try to stack this 32, um, you got to make some decisions, and, and a lot of those decisions are not easy. Six, three and a quarter. 224, 33 and three quarters arm. He was a little, I don't, I, not from a height standpoint, but from a weight standpoint, I thought he would be closer to the 240, 250 range. He comes in at 224, which is really the, the same size as edge rushers like Yonze Pierre and by Job, who we saw that weekend as well. I have no concern about his ability to add weight and and add bulk once he arrives in Athens. But, Andrew, I think the other thing that we can do when when we talk about these particular names is kind of pull the curtain back on, okay, how do we arrive here? And Damon Wilson was a guy that I believe in our our last update we we had in our our top 32. So he's one of those players, or, or it could be one removed. But Anyway, he is now inside the top 50, the number 45 player. You know, for me, the guy that he kind of reminded me of was Aziz Ojolari, who played his football at Georgia and was a guy that I believe got drafted early second round, was a top 40 draft pick. And Damon Wilson, like, I think from a pass rushing standpoint, I don't want to say is a one-trick pony, but in terms of what he has in his arsenal – it's an explosive first step, and his ability to go speed to power is really uncanny, which was the same thing we kind of saw with an Aziz Ojolari. So I think for him to climb back in to day one consideration, which can easily happen, is that he's going to have to develop some secondary pass rushing ability yeah. at the next level. But I love this guy in terms of what's in the body. I, I I don't think there's any concern or or hesitation saying that, hey, maybe one day he can evolve into a top 32 and, player. And he's going to be a, just a monster at the NFL Combine. I mean, you mentioned what he was 230 pounds. Is that what you said? 224. 
Yeah, he's been hovering around that 224, 230 mark for uh, over a year. I guess it's kind of weird that I just know that. Um, but he back squats 500 pounds. He bench pressed, I think he bench pressed 390 in a meet, which is, is freaky stuff. I mean, uh, and he can dunk it and put his chin on the rim. So uh, that's, that's what also scares me is all it takes is one organization, one front office to see him go 4-4 on the lasers at 265 pounds and, you know, jump out the building there in Indianapolis. Actually, aren't they moving the scouting combine around? Isn't that like, aren't they moving it around now? I think they've they've had conversations. I, I could be wrong, but I think it is on the move here within the, the next couple of yeah. years. Yeah, from Indianapolis, which I don't know if you've ever been in the NFL scouting combine. I mean, to me, that's just one of the staples. Like, you, you don't move that from Indianapolis. It's a great spot, and obviously they've been doing that for a really long time. NFL, I'm sure they, you know, they see dollar signs in their eyes. So, Damon Wilson, all right, first one off the board. For for me, Andrew, I don't think this will come as any surprise, but the first one for me on the outside looking in is Justice Haynes, who we have as the number 34 player in the country, the number three running back. We debated these top three backs, not only where we felt they should end up, but from a positional value standpoint, it threw a little bit of a wrench in the running back evaluation process. And Justice Haynes, to me, I left San Antonio after seeing him, and this is a guy that I felt very strongly about throughout the evaluation process, and he, and he just continued to inch up the board. But he is the most complete running back in the class. I don't have any issue saying that at all. I think the running back that possesses the highest upside of the three between Cedric Baxter Jr., Ruben Owens, and Justice Haynes is Cedric Baxter Jr., I love Justice Haynes. This is a guy for me that fits the Clyde edwards Lair mold uh, out of LSU. It was a first-round pick for the Kansas City Chiefs. You and I talked about it on a call yesterday with Gabe Brooks and Chris Singletary. You wonder if Kansas City, for example, we'll just use them as an example, they draft Clyde edwards Lair the year after they win the Super Bowl, and it's kind of like a luxury pick at 32, right? We've talked about that. And then this year, they're relying on guys like Isaiah Pacheco, who they drafted. Fantasy was, stud. Right. Was that a sixth or seventh round draft? Seventh. Seventh, seventh I, round I draft. Where did he go to college? I don't even know. Rutgers. <laughs> Producer Rutgers. Lance smiling right hey, now. He's got, he's got a huge <laughs> smile on his face. And then, you know, uh, also uh, Jarek McKinnon as well, right? And then Clyde edwards Elaire has kind of found himself on the outside looking in. Now, he has had his moments in Kansas City. But point being, it's so tricky when it comes down to positional value. So I love this player. And I do think this is a guy that I want to bet on. You know, whether or not, like, it's going to keep me up at night. Can, uh, can, I, ask you, can I ask you this, right? And I'm, I'm not trying to cut in here. Do you think if this was a previous cycle, he would be in the 32? I don't know about last year when we had Nick Singleton, but you know, in 2024, I, I think he's RB1, correct? You are further ahead on 2024 than I am. But uh, yeah, like that, no, that wouldn't shock me at all. Like in, in my eyes, I think we said this, you could put those names in a hat of Baxter Jr., Owens, and, and Haynes, and any order you came up with, I could get behind. You know, yeah. and I love Haynes. I, I love him from the bloodlines. Dad played 
at Georgia, got drafted by the Steelers. Guy plays baseball as well, touched 86 on the mound. Lefty. And he's he, he's a three-down back, and he plays the game the right way. And I keep talking about these running backs, and when you evaluate these guys, subjective versus objective. And from a tangible standpoint and what's in the body, he checks all the boxes. The only question mark on Justice Haynes is how much meat does he have left on the bone? I know there were some, some question marks about that. But I love his game. I love his feel for the game. And in terms of the vision, the patience, the burst, and the contact balance, and then you add in his ability as a receiver and pass protector, you can't go wrong with that guy. So I I, I love him. I think that's the guy that I could definitely see making an early impact at Alabama, having a very productive career there. And then all of a sudden you fast forward three or four years later, and he's probably going to be on the same bubble that he is right now. That that would be my guess. He's one of those guys where you mentioned him being close to tapped out, close to maxed out. He's kind of built like a a mighty might. You know, he, he is he is rocked up. Those are the ones that go to Alabama though, and they just squeeze the most out of them. They get them to that next spot where you're like, damn, like how did they do that? Uh, so I agree with you. Uh, off-roading a little bit here to steal a term from you. Who has a bigger impact for Alabama next season, Justice Haynes or, or Caleb Downs? Our number one ranked safety. What a question. I would say – And, and, and I, I, think, think... I, I think I think the other thing you didn't bring about Justice Haynes is he's also a really good return man. I think he had two or three kick returns, you know, so that open field vision. We saw it in the All-American Bowl – he had one of the more explosive plays when he ran uh, across the field, went 45 yards, really ran like 60 yards. Um, so I, I could see him having an, uh, making a difference there if they wanted to go that route. But I think at Alabama, man, I mean, you know, even the linebackers can probably return kicks. You had me scrambling a little bit, you know, uh, pulling up Alabama's depth chart here. And I think there is a path for, for Justice Haynes, obviously with Jameer Gibbs. Off to the NFL, you got Jace McClellan there as well, Roydell Williams. He's going to find his way in the lineup. Caleb Downs, though, like I know I'm going to talk about him a little bit later. Like in terms of how soon he can make an impact, I mean, I I feel the same way about him that I did Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Who, who's arguably the best safety in the NFL right now. He's only 24. Right? Did you know that he's only 24 or like 25? Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, that's what I heard that on on something. I was kind of mind blown. It's going to be one of those graphics. I feel like every graphic that comes out right now, like from a social media standpoint, is just finding players in the NFL that are younger than Stetson Bennett. All right, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's twenty six. Okay, so wherever I saw that was wrong, but his Make younger Patrick's twenty six. Yeah, his, his, his younger. Yeah, his younger brother actually goes to St. Thomas Aquinas and is only a freshman. So I was like, wow, that's incredible value for the Steelers. I, I know. I how know. long has he been in the league for? What year is this for him? It's been a while. He's already gotten traded. All right, moving on. Drew, who's who's your next guy that, that keeps you up at night? Well, I think he falls into another category later on, but Brandon Ennis, um, this, one, this one hurt. Uh, <laughs> it hurt, man. But – I believe in our, our process and the conversation we've, we've had. And 
if we are really going to use the NFL draft as our compass, then he's a guy that we got to slide back. And I know me and you uh, got into it on on one call uh, about Brandon Ennis and then kind of cooled off. And he he slides out of, of the top 32 to number 35. I think you wrote this in your story, which explains some of these five-star drops, um, not some, all of them. I, I don't think anyone on our team – is going to say that they don't want Brandon Ennis on their team. I don't think anyone at 24-7 Sports is going to sit there and say that, hey, this isn't a impact football player. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, he is, he's 5'11 and a half, and he is 198 pounds, and he's a 4'7 or 4'6 guy on the lasers. Um, and, you know, just how – how much more meat is there on the bone? I think you've already used that term on this podcast, but how much more are you going to get out of them? Uh, one other thing I, 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 someone mentioned to me, and I think it makes so much sense with Brandon Ennis. Like he's really good at a lot of different things as a playmaker. Um, but for, a, for a guy that's as much of a technician as he is and, 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 and can run the deep routes, he, he still seems a little bit tight and you've got to see it. You got to watch him run to to kind of understand that and, and move around. Um, I have no questions that he's going to have success on Saturdays. The player comp for him has long been Amon Ross St. Brown, who uh, fell in the NFL draft and is making quite the name for himself there um, at in Detroit. I, I think Brandon Ennis is one we can look back on and be like, man, we we overthought this one, um, but it is what it is. And uh, he sits number thirty-five in the rankings, and and I I would not be shocked if he's making plays uh, in, in twenty twenty-three for the Buckeyes. I think there are a lot of similarities between Brandon Innes and Amon Ross St. Brown. And Amon Ross St. Brown, believe he went in the fourth round. Yeah, I, I did see a redraft of that class, and someone said he would go in the first round, like number fifteen overall. Which I understand. I. And I think the the comparison makes sense for a lot of different reasons. One, I think both of them are alpha mentalities. Two, they play the game the right way. Three, they have high level of football intelligence. They understand spacing. They understand leverage. And I think that understanding allows them to overcompensate for maybe what you want to call athletic limitations to put it politely. You know, this is a analytics play, right? Like to me, you look at Brandon Ennis and you say, okay, research in recent history tells us that he's going to be on the outside looking in. Sometimes you just got to throw that out the window. Now we're leaning into that. Everything about Brandon Ennis from a production standpoint, from an intangible standpoint, tells us that he is a top 32 player. I believe that. I believe Brandon Ennis is one of the top 32 players in this class. Now, in terms of projecting him to the next level, to me, that's that's a little bit of a different story there. And you talked about it. 5'11 and a half, maybe a little bit under, 195 to 198 pounds. I think he's just a shade under 200 pounds. You can make the argument that, yeah, maybe there's not a, a lot of meat left on the bone in terms of Sunday potential. 
But on the flip side of that, the positive for Ohio State is that they're going to get somebody that's ready to play day <laughs> one. You talked about the competitive nature and the competitive temperament. Like I, what scares me even more and what's going to keep me up at night is Brandon Ennis is probably only going to use this as motivation, right? This is this is on the locker room. In the, in the locker room now, um, and it's just putting a chip on his shoulder. He's a guy that's going to outwork people. Um, you know, I just like with a lot of these prospects, I've had a ton of exposure to them over the years. Remember when he was in eighth grade? Like I've seen him demand to go in into games and, and play safety when his team's down. There's not a lot of guys in our top two, four, seven um, that that can do that, and it's hard to measure how much that matters. But I do think it does to some degree. I agree. I think he's he's got different DNA. Yeah. And I'll say this. I hope he does. I, I hope he does. I, I hope he exceeds our expectations for him. And I hope he does become a top 32 player. And I enjoyed being around him in San Antonio. That was that was the first time I've ever been around him. I love the way he handles his business. There are a couple of guys there that you can tell are just going to be very successful at any level because of the way they go about their business. Brandon Ennis, in my mind, is one of them. So I know you and I could, I don't want to <laughs> say debate him, but talk about him for, for a really long time. But that's definitely one, like, that's a case study for us, right? Yeah. Like We're going to file him away. We're going to monitor and study his career in Columbus. And then obviously when it's time for him to, to take his talents to the NFL, we're going to be watching closely as well. All right, Andrew, for me, the next guy, it's a little bit of a blend of the player and a little bit of the blend of the positional value. But Desmond Ricks out of IMG Academy, the former number one corner in the 2024 class, he reclassifies, signs with Alabama. And this was a guy like, I think I remember telling you this, but when we went down to Bradenton over the summer for the future 50 and I got to watch Desmond Ricks work out side by side by Cormani McLean, I really didn't think there was that much of a difference. Now I think Cormani McLean over his career has put more on tape that we felt comfortable with, but in terms of seeing those guys, eyeballing them, watching them move around together, I, there really wasn't a, a difference in the two to me and the other part about this is he's going to one of the best places you can go in terms of defensive back development. And we only have two corners in the top 32. And if there's a number that I believe is not going to hold up over time for us, it's going to be that number, you know, because yeah. I think last year was four. The year before that was five. I've seen that's, mocks with like seven in it for this right, year. That's such a premium position that I think people are comfortable reaching there on guys that maybe they don't view as complete players, but they feel they can get the most of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, over six foot four or five has tested off the charts uh, on multiple occasions. I mean, I was really hoping he would insert himself and, and kind of dominate at the Under Armour All-America game. I mean, made some plays, but, but never really took over and, we mentioned it on the last podcast about this 2023 corner class as a whole. Um, just don't feel great about it in terms of how we stack it. Um, so we'll, we'll see how this pans out. Maybe we're just reading it the completely wrong way. And 
I know he reclassified from 2024 to 2023, but I think he's already he's already 18. Should have originally probably been in that in that 2023 class. Now I, I agree with this one, Cooper, for for all the reasons you said. You know, going to Alabama, going to work with Nick Saban. Uh, everyone's looking for corners these days. Um, maybe we're going to regret not having him in that 32 um, when it's all said and done. All right, Drew. Do you have another pick? I know I do, but we don't need to dive too deep into it. But if- uh, yeah, just just one more, and this is one we've never even like really talked about. Me and you, Jalen Hale, wide receiver, going to Alabama. Um, I I love how. It- <laughs> What is that? Three Alabama guys now? I know. Well, I mean, that wasn't like the. No, I know. I'm just. The I'm theme. just laughing. Uh, you could put Monroe Freeling there, who's number 33 for us, the offensive tackle headed to Georgia, Mister Three Pizzas at the All American Bowl, carrying them into the hotel room. Um, Jalen Hale. I just like Jalen Hale and every everything he brings to the table. Six foot two, lean. Uh, go gets the. He can go get the football in the air uh, and he's got a basketball background and to me that's that's kind of the big thing right now i want i want my wide receivers to, to be hoopers and, and to be guys that can score and, and, and attack the rim and uh, uh jalen hale is one of those guys so I, I like him i think he has wide receiver one traits um which he should i mean he's number 37 in our rankings but uh you know a guy you can make a case that maybe he should have been a little bit higher so this is this is the interesting part for me because, you know, initially our process is, you know, I, between Gabe Brooks and I will go through this. We'll kind of put a, a rough draft together and then we'll all get in a room and then we'll say, okay, let's talk about this. Right. And initially I believe I had Brandon Innes behind Jalen Hale and, and Noah Rogers. Right. And I remember that was one of like the the sticking points. And I, I knew it would be, but I remember telling you guys, it just goes against every fiber of my being. Because you look at guys like Jalen Hill, you look at guys like Noah Rogers, who was is, who is my last choice on this. And I'm not losing a ton of sleep on him. I just want to make sure we talk about him because I wouldn't be surprised out of everybody that Ohio State has incoming. I mean... It's a roll of the dice, but if you told me three or four years from now, Noah Rogers ends up being the highest drafted out of Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, and Bryson Rogers, I'd be surprised, but I would not be shocked. Right. And, and it just comes back to, for me, what's in their body. And I, I believe Jalen Hale and Noah Rogers are elite high ceiling athletes. And Noah Rogers coming from a small town in North Carolina. He's going to go to Ohio State. He is raw right now. He has no idea what he's doing. He's going to have to polish up his route running ability, but he has some things you can't teach. And I believe that with Jalen Hale, too. So I love those picks. And the way that receivers are coming off the board, they're almost like almost like corners. Yeah. Right. So I think both those guys have the ability to potentially develop into top 32 draft picks. And like you said, I think they have wide receiver one traits. I'll tell you what, Drew, I love that exercise. (laughs) I just like when we can get in to these type of conversations, you know, good stuff in depth. All right. You ready for the next topic? 
cue me up or should you, should you give an ad read first or a, a plug plug the subscribe and and like i gotta coach you up on how to do it all right let me uh let me do that all right if you are a listener to the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast make sure you subscribe to the show you can find our show on apple Podcasts, spotify podcast as well anywhere you get your podcast guys please rate the show as well leave a comment if you'd like we appreciate you guys listening as always we're going to take a quick break keep it locked to the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast this is sandra Oreta from attacking third a podcast part of the cbs sports golazo network dedicated to all things women's soccer with the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the Winter Transfer Window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, next topic for us. I really like this because we... It just kind of naturally came up yesterday, you, me, and the boys. In the virtual talk, war, war room. In the, in the virtual spreadsheet war room, we're talking about, all right, are there one or two players from each round outside of the top 64 that, that we think can develop into a first-round draft pick? And the answer to that is yes, like resoundingly. I think we, there's one or two guys from each round, maybe even more, that we feel have top 32 traits, but for whatever reason, whether it's lack of context, whether it's a live exposure, there's something that there's a little bit of hesitation that is preventing them from moving up the board. So Drew, let's start in the third round. You want to take the first crack at this? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it's easy. You have two Georgia tight end signees in that third round range. So Todd Hartley, Oyster Boys coaching staff, uh, member, he, he's our passing game coordinator and tight ends coach, and we'll we'll slap a recruiting coordinator on there as well, so we can pay him enough money. Um, if he's the guy still coaching the tight tight ends in Athens, I, I would take those two. I think one of them is going to be drafted and potentially early, but I, I I think that's cheating for this exercise. All right, just so just so I'm clear here, that would be Lawson Lucky, right? Yeah, that we have at number sixty eight, and then Pierce Sperlin that we have at one hundred five. All right, talk to me. Can you talk to me a little bit about why you like Lawson Lucky? And I love Lawson Lucky. I just feel like this is a guy that we really like that we just haven't spent a lot of time talking about. He is Brock Bowers light. Um, <laughs> you know, if you got your your Bud Light and then you got your Natty Light, like Lawson Lucky is just that 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 tier below. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he moves very well for someone his size. He's a similar play style. Um, we've talked about it in the past with what Georgia 
has done and they're not afraid to put three tight ends on the field and, and they're going to play to their guy's strengths but um he, he he's he's a route well-rounded player I'm, I'm struggling on my words a guy that alabama kept chipping away down the stretch and, and he's going to georgia so I, I like him and then and then pierce berlin you know I, I can't remember what you had coming out of the all-american bowl for your super relatives uh but Sperlin was kind of, I think, one of the biggest surprises, and and someone that had caught a ton, a ton of passes early on, and his prep career got hurt, only appeared in two games, but he's a monster. So I think those two have a chance to 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 be selected high. I mean, Todd Hartley had three guys drafted at at Miami. He's got two so far at at Georgia. Another one on the way in Darnell Washington, and it's going to be Brock Bowers. So. I like those two. And, and then Coop, I mean, I, that was kind of like a layup. So uh, I'll toss out two more names for you uh, in terms of, of guys. And the theme here with these third rounders is is big frames and growth potential. And the first one's Cameron James, top 247 defensive lineman out of Olympia High School, right down the road from Universal Studios. He's headed to Florida. I think there's a huge ceiling for him. And the other one is a guy you really like, Bo Hewley, Georgia offensive tackle signee, super lean, super raw, um, but he too could be a monster one day. So I gave you a lot of names. What do you got? Well, you took one of my picks. Quick, quick question for you though. All right, if Lawson Lucky is Natty Light of beers, Pierce Sperlin would be the Bush Light of beers. What does that make Deuce Robinson? Oh, he's like the high life, right? Was that like a Bud Light lime? Oh, like the Miller Miller High Life. <laughs> I'm teasing. Yeah, what I mean, everybody these days is like drinking ultras. That's a tough question. I mean, what what is your first round draft pick of beer? For me, I'm probably Modelo Especial, maybe a Coors Light guy. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's get back to it. The two guys for me, pretty simple. First name coming off the board in the third round is our guy drew cordell russell out of texas the fighter he is gosh man he's he's so fascinating and you know we talked about it and we talked about the frame i'm gonna pull up the uh, official uh measurements here from cordell russell at the all-american bowl but you know this is a guy that is heading to tcu three sport athlete six one three quarters 202 33 <laughs> 33 and a quarter arms, 10 inch hands, right? So like he's he's an elite trait, big frame, pass catcher. And he's got a very strong lower half. He's very explosive. And I think we came into it even looking at the tape and we're like, all right, here's a 50-50 pass catcher that's very strong at the catch point and as a runner. And then we came into San Antonio and we thought, all right, he, he he's just going to out physical people at the point of the attack. And sure, he's got that in his bag. But like the initial quickness, the suddenness, the ability to separate. I mean, I felt like, you know, I've said this on this podcast before. I felt like he had a half step or a full step on every defender in San Antonio. The biggest hang up is the hands. He is not a natural pass catcher. You know, he lets the ball get into his body. He fights it a little, little bit. We saw on multiple occasions him being able to create separation down the field and not reel the not reel the pass in. 
that being said, I'm not as like concerned about that. I think he can he can really grow into that at the next level, and that's something that he's going to spend a lot of time on at TCU. And if I remember correctly, I don't know if I was talking to Mike Roach, who covers the state of Texas, but I think there were some similar concerns with Quentin Johnston, who played his ball at TCU and is now declaring for the NFL draft, who, whose name is in the conversation for receiver one this year. So this is the guy, without a doubt, like three to four years from now, like if if he's making waves and I can see there being a ton of buzz around him once people start to dive in and he just shows flashes, right? I don't even really think he has to dominate, but if he shows flashes of his athletic potential, I, he can be a first round type of talent in my mind. Again, he's a, he's a fighter. <laughs> I, I just like the fact that he's going to TCU uh, and it's not one of these usual schools for, for these guys. It's not another Alabama, not another another Georgia. Um, I, I'm excited about him. Wish I'd see, got a chance to see a little bit more of him at the All-American Bowl, but uh, weather permitted and, and Frontier Airlines made it so that didn't happen. I missed the joint practice. Uh, I'll add on, uh, on him with him, Cordell. I've watched a lot of basketball tape. Of a, of a lot of different players in our top two, four, seven. Um, just, just something I do. Uh, his, his dunk reel is one of the best out there. That's a guy that can go up there. So you mentioned the three sport stuff, but he's also uh, talented on the hardwood. And I said it a few minutes ago, I, I want my wide receivers playing basketball. I, I, I believe in that. Okay. The other name I have here is Bo Hewley. And this is a guy like, I thought he was super raw. Junior tape showed that. Then you turn on the senior tape and you're like, okay, I think george has got something here. I mean, we're talking about unverified 6'7", 290. Do you think that's in the neighborhood? I would go 6'6", 280. Long arms, big frame, a guy that is he – looks like a, He looks like a basketball player. And then you consider – you know, we, we haven't really talked about George's – incoming offensive line. I mean, the length and the athleticism between Monroe Freeling and Bo Hewley, that's got to get you pretty jazzed up if, if you're Kirby Smart. But I thought he really improved as a senior. He's a guy that I really like. Andrew, I'm with you. I, I just wouldn't be shocked because of where he's going and his ability to, to go in there and improve his body. And I think he's going to the right place. You know, they're going to lean on the run. He's a big physical player at the point of attack. I like Bo Hewley. That would be the second name. So we already talked about him a little bit. Do you want me to give you like a shooting from the hip kind of player comp or or something listeners can like picture and envision? I have one in my head. Okay. You go but first, I don't then. know how far off I am. But I just remember he he kind of reminded me of him in high school. Is the Warren McClendon too far off? No. I I I think Warren was a little bit bigger, but that's fair. And I think I've actually heard that from someone in Athens. So you're kind of spot on there. Hey, who's um, yours? Like just kind of Charles Charles Cross. I mean, he didn't do at Langston Hughes. There wasn't a lot of uh, of run run protection or anything like that. You know, it was a lot of a lot of pass sets. I think he's more comfortable in that. Charles Cross was the same thing at Mississippi State. So I, I think. It, how could he get his way into the first round? It would, it would be a similar rise. He's got the length. He's got he's got all that. He's just got to improve as a player. 
uh, and he'll have a chance to do that at Georgia. So it, it's funny we're both on the same page there in the third round. Let's 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 move to the fourth. Okay, let me start this one off so you don't name four guys and take all my picks here. <laughs> um, fourth round, Desmond Umiazulu, who all of a sudden has been like a little bit of a scouting crush for the boys. I have to be honest, Andrew. I felt like I was on an island with this guy for for a while. Not preventing him to move up the board, but like I'm like, hey, here's this guy, six foot six. He's like 245 pounds. He's going to go to South Carolina. He's from the DMV, right? Hadn't spent a lot of time in the weight room. I think South Carolina's getting a steal here. I love this kid. Big frame, moves really well. He's just kind of wait and see what he develops into. But I, I love his pass rushing upside. And then the other one, I think we both agree, C.J. Blocker from Texas, heading out to Salt Lake City to play his ball at Utah. You think about Utah's track record, their ability to develop defensive backs, and this is another guy, six foot plus, and he's got the resume. I mean, when you when you look at the speed, 10-6-2 in the 100 meter, 22-6-2 in the 200, a lot to like there. On top of that, he's a, he's a good football player, right? So it's not just fast. It's not just the frame. He's got some natural instincts at the position. I love I, I love both those guys. CJ Blocker talked about it on the last podcast with, or or was that two ago with, with Blair and Gulo? Uh, made a big impact at the Poly Bowl. Picked it off Nico. There, huge fan of him. So I, I endorse that. Co-sign that. I also had. Desmond Umenzola down here on my list. Uh, I'll be honest, did not know a ton about him coming into the Under Armour All-America game. And then after that first practice session where you're sizing up guys, you're like, all right, from a frame body standpoint, like if this guy just, you know, the, the chance and potential is there. He's already enrolled at South Carolina. And I think we have not talked enough about what Shane Beamer has done on the defensive side of the ball. There's some really interesting potential pieces there um, for the Gamecocks. Uh, Grayson Pup Howard, the linebacker, Xavier McLeod, uh, the big body in the middle, and, the, and then you got Desmond right there. So I, I agree. Like it might not come together for for one, two years, but three years, three and four after he's been in that strength program. Uh, watch out because because he is he is stuff that other people don't have in, in terms of the reach. Uh, the other the other one for me, Eugene Wilson, wide receiver that signed with the University of, of Florida. Um, I think when you look at recent NFL draft trends, everyone's looking for that explosive playmaker in the uh, from the inside. Wilson's a guy. Coop, me and you saw him at the Under Armour camp in Miami. What? Uh, 11 months ago. I, I think he ran one of the fastest 40 yard dash times that day. Uh, just a bit of a, a chunk play machine, uh, kind of some razzle and dazzle. I think in his scouting report, I wrote just a, a blur on film in terms of the way he, he zigs and zags his way around people. What's funny about Eugene is, is the first time I, I actually scouted him in person was at a, a UCF summer camp, right? Um, and he had no offers but he was making plays at safety. Uh, I talked to him. I was like, hey, are you related to anyone that played in the league? And he said, yeah, my dad won a pair of Super Bowls with uh, the New England Patriots. So, you know, I also like that. But he's headed to Florida. Florida needs um, a, a joystick that, that can make people miss. And I think Eugene Wilson 
if if everything comes together, he he is certainly someone um, that could play his way into a night one selection uh, if he keeps progressing. He's an interesting one because, you know, it, like part of our, part of our job is to to have a pulse on the rest of the industry as well, and you know. Obviously, we have a, a lot of respect for the competition and, and other recruiting services. He's the one. There's a little bit of like a variance there, right? Like it, some people have him really high. Some people have him where where we do in that fourth round. He's a guy that I really like. He's smooth in and out of breaks. I think he's going to be really kind of like a nice safety blanket on the inside. You talked about the genes there as well. I don't think you go wrong. All right. I think that does it for the fourth round. Drew, for the fifth round, I'm going to let you start this one off. <laughs> uh, back to the the big frames. Collins Achiampong, am I, did I get the, nail that? I, you've, you've been an expert on the airwaves nailing that name. Achiampong. Achiampong. Guy that was on on the freaks list. I feel like I say that about everyone. Um, and I got to give a hat tip here to Trey Scott. I said he originally looked like a guy that came out of a, a creative player mode um, on Madden. He says it's a, a creative player on NBA 2K because he does look like a, a basketball player. So Trey, I appreciate you editing that and, and getting that in the story. That was a nice little, nice little nugget. Um, someone that is probably as green as can be in our top two, four, seven in terms of like actually playing football, what played as a freshman took two years off came back this past year, right, Cooper, then injured his knee, um, was out for a few games. Uh, I mean, he has the frame you look for. We saw him at the future 50, um, going to need to give him some time in that 5 a.m. developmental lifting group. But if he hits, uh, he he's going to hit. Um, I think if you're, you're Miami and they're the ones that are bringing him in, like the goal should be the transformation that that Greg Russo had. He came in as like a high school safety, um, and they 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 kind of shot him up with a bunch of weight, and and then left as a first round draft pick there. So Collins, he's one. I don't know what he is long term. Is he an edge player? Is he an inside guy? I I, I really don't know. I think probably um, someone that you bring in, in in certain passing situations. So he's one for me there in the fifth. What about you? I had Aki and Pong as well. I mean, the what we had in July was six foot seven, two fifty-four. He moves extremely well. He can bend. He's got almost, if not a seven foot plus wingspan. He had a four two eight shuttle. So the athletic traits are there. Like this would not shock me if he puts it together if all of a sudden we're talking about him being a top sixty-four day one or day two draft pick. You know what's interesting? We had him as an athlete. I think we talked about having him as an edge, moved him to defensive line, I believe. I mean, this is a guy, like, if I'm Miami, he's moving to the interior. And, and like, if I'm Mario Cristobal, like, I just looked it up. He kind of reminds me of Raekwon Davis, who we had at Alabama, six foot seven. He's 330 pounds now with the Miami Dolphins. And I don't know if I see almost, a, you know, 80 plus pound weight gain on Collins Pong, but he's got this big frame. I think he can play closer to, to 300 pounds, and that's what I would do with him. I mean, just a big guy in the middle that can hold the point of the attack, also push the pocket as well, and then really kind of make things 
uh, life difficult for quarterbacks in those throwing lanes with those long arms. So that was one. The other one was Chimdi Ono. And I apologize if I didn't get that last name right. We're, we're, we're trying to get up to up to speed here on everything. But late, late riser, late riser, a guy that that went into our top two, four, seven you know, at the buzzer at the at the buzzer offensive tackle. What we have on him, former Old Dominion commit, I believe. ODU, Ricky, right? Is it Ricky Ronnie? Ricky Ronnie, Ricky Ronnie, <laughs> six foot five, 270 pounds from Maryland. A little raw, but you see him move around a little bit, and you're like, okay, I get it. And then Gabriel Brooks, he's always going to be there to remind us, has a elite shot put and discus background. And I'm sure people are listening and be like, why are these guys always talking about track and field and shot and disc? Well, it's important, especially when you're talking about lower body explosiveness. The other thing that needs to be mentioned is it has to show up on tape. And in this case, it does. I really like this guy. This to me was like a no brainer. I'm like, okay, I can see this guy, whether he moves inside or whether he's going to be a right tackle. He's got some elite traits. No, I'm a fan. I was the one that kind of got in Gabe's ear. Like, Hey, we should probably get this guy in going to announce uh, last. I heard Steve Wiltfong in a group text message late last night. Um, He's he's probably going to announce on the 24 seven sports YouTube channel on signing day Wednesday. So, so tune in for that. I think Michigan state's involved there. Um, and look how dated I am. Like, I don't even know the other schools that are involved in the recruitment. I, I think Penn state's one of them. Um, no, I agree. Yeah. Like you turn on the tape, um, just looks like a guy that is going to have a chance guy that I thought we definitely needed to get in there. Um, what you were looking for and, and Coop, I think we should point out, right. The senior bowl is next week. And we'll, we'll maybe talk a little bit of that. It couldn't have come out a worse week just with signing day going on and all that stuff. But a lot of the offense alignment in the senior bowl are, are going to be from some schools that aren't your usual schools. And most of those guys are late risers. Um, so if we can identify a, a late riser of our own, a guy that hasn't played a ton of football, um, that's still figuring it out that we think has a chance, especially at that, as a corner protector, then I'm all for taking a flyer on him. So uh, I like that pick. Um, one more for me in the fifth round. And, man, we, we sound so bad right now because I, I, I don't even know if I'm saying this guy's name right. Andrew Rappelier? 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 Another one. That's another one. We need some help from our, our Penn, State's, uh, Penn State Rapp- site. Rappelier is what I think. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. We'll do our best. Anyway, let's <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to get you off the name onto the player. Okay. Tight end. I, I love this kid. Um tight ends are, are becoming weapons at on Saturdays, uh on Sundays. I think you mentioned safety blanket. Um you, you said that for someone earlier in the show. Eugene Wilson. Yeah, but I, I think he could be he could be the same thing. You know, you question the competition a little bit for for Andrew. Um, he's by far one of the biggest players on the field. He's bigger than some of his offense alignment, but he's a he's a mean a mean spirited blocker. And then they put him in the slot and they'll they'll split him out wide and, and he creates separation. He's got some some wiggle to him. So um, a, a guy that we got in last update into the top two four seven and we pushed him up a little bit more. Uh, but Drew Aller. Um, Jackson Smolik, our, 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 our other guy. Um, those guys got to be fired up about having him as a potential tight end one there uh, in State College. 
he's been a late riser for us. Like if to go back to the category earlier of like, all right, who do we like feel a little insecure about? I think we just kind of saw his name in like the the sixth, seventh round range, and we we're like, okay, we got to get this guy up a little bit. Hard part about him, not a lot of additional context, right? Yeah, but there's the game, none. The game tape we liked, and we figured that's that's probably going to be the norm with a player out of the state of Massachusetts. All right, Drew, um, let's put the the pedal to the metal here. Sixth and seventh round. But before we do that, can I point out a good fact? I have. Go ahead. State of Massachusetts. You think like NHL players, correct? Correct. Had eight players drafted over the past three years. We got two in inside our top 32, Jonel, Aguero, Samson, Okanlola, and then we got Andrew Rappelier sitting over here. So Massachusetts football hotbed is what I'm trying to say. Pretty crazy when you think about it. And it's some good players too. Isaiah, Isaiah Likely. Right. Pat Fryermuth. I still haven't done the state-by-state state breakdown of, of the top 247. That's probably something I'll do tomorrow once we're we're done with our, our content responsibilities. But I am fascinated to kind of see what that looks like. We're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. All right, Drew, going into the six, two guys that stood out for me, Arian Carter, multi-sport athlete, has a basketball background, has a track and field background, was a late riser in the process, out of Tennessee, formally committed to Memphis, Alabama, a handful of others came in late. He ends up staying home, signing with the Vols, early enrollee. I mean, I like this guy. can do a little bit of everything, can give you some ability off the edge. I think he's a three-down backer. Can he rise into the top 32? I don't know. But I wouldn't be shocked if he if he ends up playing himself into a day two draft pick. The other one, man, we are really struggling with some names here. South Carolina, the the one they called the tree, <laughs> Oluwatosin Babalade. That's good. You nailed that. I, I'm gonna have to go back and study the film here, Coach. But anyway, big physical offensive tackle out of Damatha DMV. And he is so raw, but you look at the athletic traits and the movement ability. To me, when you get into like the sixth, seventh round, right? And you're like trying to trying to figure out all right, who who could like possibly boom here? Just for I yeah, I lean on two things, right? Like you lean on the size and the AA and the premium position. So I'll I'll, I'll roll the dice on him. I had tree written down as well. We never talked about it. You know, like Shane Beamer climbed a tree when he committed. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I mean, he's a, he's a, you know, he's, 
He went to the Jim Harbaugh School of Marketing. I love it. And I mean, Jim Harbaugh, in terms of his marketing prowess, I feel like he's kind of fell off a little bit. Now you got Shane Beamer, you know. He's, guy's doing a great job. Yeah, I mean, Harbaugh needs to get back and sleeping over at kids' houses and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Who, someone was playing like Connect Four with someone. Who, who was that? Dan Lanning. I think that was Dan Lanning. Yeah. Was it Connect Four? or Was it another board? I game? think it was Monopoly. Yeah. yeah. I think it was Spencer Fano. Yes. All right. Imagine right. going to a recruit's house playing Monopoly, and then all of a sudden he goes to Utah. I'd be like, God, tough look. Two and a half hours of my life, I can't get back now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Who else you got? Who else you got in the six? So I, I had tree, same thought process, uh, premium position, great nickname, big kid, um, coming from DeMatha, which puts guys in the league. So that was, that was kind of a fast break layup or you tossed up the alley-oop to me. Uh, this is another interesting one. And I didn't even realize this. It's another wide receiver headed to the university of Florida, Aiden Mizell, um, big track kid. Mom ran at Florida. Uh, I, I think it's aunts ran at Florida as well. I'm 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 trying to recall in my in my memory bank here. This was he was a big time sprinter, 400 meter dash specialist. Had a an excellent junior season at Orlando Boone. Shout out to the 407 up there. They had some beautiful helmets this season. Nice little baby blue um, on, on the orange jerseys. Uh, I call them the best in the state. But Aiden. De dealing with some injuries, didn't really get get to go as a 12th grader. Um, so I, I think that's kind of why he's ranked right here. Um, and, you know, this isn't this isn't the NFL draft where we got medical red flags or anything like that. But I you do wonder about the knee. Uh, modern medicine, though, you, you would assume he's going to recover and be good to go. And maybe if he had gone for 1,200 yards here as as a senior, He'd be higher in the ranking. So I think there's some some boom bust potential with Aiden Mizell. You mentioned it earlier. Everyone wants to add wide receivers. He's a guy that has some size and can take a top off a of defense. I go back to a year ago at Battle Miami, had no idea who he was, and he was making plays against some elite defensive backs. So uh, I, I like him in the sixth as a guy that could go day one, day two at, at some point uh, who, in the future. Who was the receiver out of American Heritage that went to Auburn? Got drafted by the Browns. Anthony Schwartz. Anthony Schwartz. Was it fourth round he got drafted? Yes. I see some similarities. I, I think Mazel is more of a natural football player. Yes. I was but, just going to say that. Right. But some similarities there. I like those two. I like those two. Okay. Drew, seventh round. Just absolute flyers right here. Lead us off. Well, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of names, right? We're where, where are the compository picks uh, to, to build, that, build it out? That's true. So a little perspective here. The NFL draft that I would believe typically the first pick of the seventh round would be 221. The last pick typically 262. We're 24-7 sports. So our last pick in the seventh round is 247. So, yeah, you, you're working with a little bit of a watered-down field here, but – I was, I was able to scrape up some names. What do you got? Shamar Easter, tight end out of Arkansas. Another guy that was on the freaks list. I know everyone's rolling their eyes, but uh, he was actually a, it did multis in track and field. Do you know what that is, Cooper? Multis? I do not. Educate me. <laughs> it means you, you specialize in, in multiple events, like you're a decathlete or a heptathlete. 
Um, so he, 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 I, he does multis. Um, and, and why and, wouldn't uh, you just say he specializes in multiple events? Because I sound like I know more if he's, <laughs> he's, he's a multi. Um, and this is a guy we were kind of wondering, like hadn't signed with Arkansas. Um, and I was like, is Arkansas dropping him far from the case? I guess his position coach had left recently tweeted out a, a picture with him and, and Shane Beamer saying he's, I think a thousand percent committed. Um, I think he's, uh, you know, we talk about height, weight, speed, uh, and athletic, and the tight end position being a weapon. Uh, I think they're going to find ways to get him the football there. He can be a mismatch in, in the slot. Uh, so he's one for me. What about you? That's interesting. Um, you know, the thing I think about Shamar Easter is it, like Traylon Burks, right? Like we just didn't know anything about him. He was from Arkansas. We didn't have any testing or anything. And he's just this athletic freak ends up staying home and ends up getting drafted in the first round. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Shamar Easter, but there's a little bit of mystery and mystique around those type of guys. You just don't know. Right. So uh, for me, Drew, I'm going to stick with position value. I'm going to go with Chris Peel out of North Carolina. He's heading to Georgia. And, you know, if I was going to roll the the dice on a guy, another six foot plus project that can run. It's got a it's got a really good track and field background, 22 foot plus long jump, 10, seven, five in the 100 meters. You know, I, it's like, why is he where he is? We haven't really seen it on tape, but you never know. Right. It's going to a really good spot. The other one is LeVar Thornton, who I really like. And he's going to Baylor, another corner, six foot two plus. He's played a lot of receiver during his career, which I really like. And he is supernatural, long strider. He's just super narrow. So for him, it's just going to be figuring out that element. He's going to have to put some some weight on his frame, add some muscle. If he can do that, I mean, he's he's kind of got some freak qualities a little bit. So I, I'd, I'd bet on those two guys. I know we're, we're deep in our pocket here in the seventh round, but those would be the two guys that I bet on. Fun exercise there, Drew. I enjoyed that. All right, we're already at an hour plus. So for our third category, the, it, the, the, the powers of B are going to regret that they gave us a podcast. But for the third category, I'd say, can we do this under 15 to 20? I think so. Yes, yes. Okay. Put the start a timer. All right, categories. All right, we're starting at 837. Let's try to get out of here by roughly 9 central time. That sound good? Yes. I think that's very plausible. I have, I have a full story to write, so let's go. Okay. All right, so I came up with these categories that I think are a lot of fun for us and a good exercise, but let's start with the first one. Pretty simple. And then let's say 20 to 30 seconds why we think that player fits this category. Safest five-star in 2023, your opinion. Well, I already know your answer. You stole mine, so you say it. And I will say this. We can have the same people. I know. Caleb Downs, without a and, doubt. Hands yeah. down. And you, you know this guy better than anybody, but quick rundown on him. I mean, you look at the bloodlines. Dad, Gary Downs, played in the NFL with the, with the Giants, Broncos, Falcons. Went to NC State's brother, former All-American Bowl selection, top 247 receiver. He's at North Carolina. And then his uncle's Dre Bly, right? On top of that, he plays excellent ball in the state of Georgia. Max Preps, National Player of the Year. Andrew, I'm just reading your bio. You do an excellent job on this. <laughs> That's how it's done. Three-phase player and then elite production across the board. And for us, 
I mean, it, it showed up in San Antonio, but he can play anywhere on the field. You can play him in the deep hash. You can play him as a slot corner. You can play him in the box. Instincts are the best in the class, regardless of position. To me, there's no safer bet in this class than Caleb Downs. I, I had him down as well. And um, as a junior, I think he scored in every way possible besides kicking or a field goal or an extra point. I remember him telling me that when I went to his school last spring. I mean, I have no doubts about him. He, he's he's the safest, and I think he's been the safest throughout. Uh, I do have a runner-up, though. How about Arch Manning, our, our number one prospect? Like, do we not feel safe about him? 34 to 2 TD to interception ratio as a senior. One interception every 114 pass attempts. He's 6040, 215 pounds. Youngest quarterback in the top 247. One of one football pedigree, given who his uncles are. You know, everyone wants to focus on what Arch Manning didn't show up to, but I, I challenge all those people that bring that up. Like, okay, well, have you watched a full Arch Manning game? You want to talk about what he hasn't been to, but have you put on the tape and watched it? Are you are you are you gonna tell me that's not good? That's that's my question for all the arch haters right now. Somebody used to tell me, you know, like, do you win because of this player or in spite of? And and Newman has had the success that they have had because of Arch Manning. You you look at the surrounding talent there, it's pretty, you know, it's it's Pretty bare, with all due respect to to Newman, but you know he's he's done a tremendous job. And I'll say this, and I know you agree with me. I mean, those are all legitimate concerns and things that we have to sift through in the evaluation process. Like in terms of like, I'm not really concerned about Elite Eleven. Would I've loved to see him for sure, you know? But I've seen him twice live, and in terms of everything that I need to see, I've seen it. And people are like, "Well, what what would he be if his name is?" Arch Smith. Well, his Shane name's Falcon. not Arch Smith. His name is Arch Manning. And people want to act like pedigree doesn't matter. Pedigree does matter. Matters for Patrick Sertan Jr. Matters for Asante Samuel Jr. Aiden Hutchinson's dad was in an NFL it, camp. It matters for Aiden Hutchinson. It matters for Justice Haynes. So on and so forth, right? I, I mean, we can we can talk about this all day long, but I think you bring up a lot of good points. And you're right. I do. I, he, he's number one because we feel to me, he's number one because he has the highest floor of all the quarterbacks in the highest upside outside of Nico Amelieva, who has the highest upside, but the yeah, floor in my floor. mind is not it yeah. and not there. So, okay. I love that. Caleb Downs for us. All right. Arch, Arch number two. Second Arch Manning, three. number two. All right, next category. I couldn't come up with a convenient name, so I called it the wait-and-see <laughs> player that makes us the most insecure about having in the top 32. <laughs> fit, fit that on a trophy for us. Yeah, put that on a graphic. All right, you want me to start this off? Yeah, go. All right, I got two. One is just, I mean, we kind of beat this horse dead, but it's like the positional value. I think we're only going to have one running back from this class get drafted in the first round. I'll stand by that. I don't know who it is. But having two in there makes me feel really insecure. And that would be Reuben Owens. I love Reuben Owens. Checks every box. 
I just think that there are going to be some teams that say, you know what, I can get that in the top 64. The next, the, the, go ahead. Quick question. I was going to say, you can get that in the seventh round guy at a Rutgers, you know, or you can get Isaiah Pacheco. The next one is Victor Burley, who is just clinging on for dear life and big boy in the middle. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network has talked about the positional value of guys like Victor Burley, long, physical, two-way player, not sexy, but just gets a job done. Every team needs one of them. So inverse, Ruben Owens on positional value is out. Vice versa, Victor Burley on positional value in my mind is in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, I went kind of in a different direction here for my two. Love and that. I think I, I know who you're going to say for one. I think you could probably guess both of them. And I, I think I figured out what the root of the problem is. It's like I'm just too connected to both of them. So the first one's Hakeem Williams, right? Goes to school 10 minutes from where I live. Have seen him at length. The second one is Cormani McLean, who – I've seen at length from, from the jump. I mean, both these guys have the gifts to be wide receiver one, cornerback one, first round drift draft picks. They have it all there. Right. But I know these guys and what they are off the field uh, and, 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 and their personalities and the people around them. Um, and I just get nervous. So I think if I didn't live in South Florida and I lived in, Massachusetts and I just saw these guys and you know had not the full full scape and the full grasp I wouldn't be as nervous um so that's why I chose those two but I I do like your picks um and and again it's it's just because I think I might be overthinking it I think if I was a GM you would have to take me out of the room you know when when it came to it at some times I feel like a football therapist right now and I get that I think both of us are coming from different angles. I think I'm looking at it objectively, and I think you're looking at it subjectively. But you've also had a very different job up until a couple of months ago, right? Like yeah. you were on the ground reporting. You have been there since day one. You are incredibly close to both of those recruitments. So I get it. Insecurities, man, they get you every time. All right, well, real, real quick. I know we're under the gun, two minute drill. But have, <laughs> have you, when you were on the other side and you were at Washington, you're at Oregon, you're at Alabama. Like, was there ever a case where that came up, where a coach is like, "Dude, I just can't do it. I'm, I'm too uh, too attached." Or were, were those debates ever ever played out? The most heated debate I've ever had in my career was with Chris Peterson about Micah Pittman, and we're at Washington where this built for life, OKG, our kind of guy, if you don't know anything about it, we prioritized high character individuals. And I really, really struggled, not with that concept or philosophy, but coming from a place like, like I always say, my football DNA was built at Alabama, where the first thing they teach you is, listen, even if a player has some red flags, we feel that the best path forward for us in terms of building a sustainable and national championship team 
because of the position that we're in in as a program is to take the higher upside player. So when it comes down to guys like the conversation we had about Brandon Innes earlier and Jalen Hale and Noah Rogers, that's my football DNA on display. Now, when I got to Washington, we had a lot of high floor guys that did everything right. They showed up on time. They went to class. There were no issues off the field. But what happened was that worked out really well in the Pac-12. But we got to the Rose Bowl, and you saw the distance between us and Ohio State, right? And to me, that was so eye-opening. And I'm not saying that Micah Pittman was this high upside player, but like he had edge, which I loved about him. And it showed up on tape. And I think there was a blemish there in high school. He, he, he really just got a bad reference from somebody that I didn't feel was like a legitimate source in the recruitment. And, you know, Pete told me at the time, like, you really want to bring this guy on campus. You really believe in him. And I said, absolutely. You know, like we, we need to meet with him, do our homework, and at the end of the day, I mean, we got to put ourselves in the best position to recruit the best players here. And, you know, it didn't end up working out. Micah Pittman came and he was great and he was cordial. And I just felt from the beginning it wasn't going to work out. He ends up going to Oregon and as a freshman ends up winning the go ahead, uh, uh, securing the go ahead touchdown against us, oh, uh, God. you know, at Washington. Look, Listen, but that like breaks a lot of different ways, right? And I'm not sitting there saying, hey, we should have done this, we should have done that. Who knows how it would have worked out, right? But like, that was a classic like strain of like, this is who I am, this is what I believe in, this is who you are, this is what you believe in. Both of us feel like we need a little bit of each other here, so how do we meet in the middle? And that was one I'll never forget, I'll never forget that one. And now he's at Florida State and like, I mean, he, he's, He's Michael Pittman Jr.'s son. He plays just like him. He's a receiver playing running back, and he is a pit bull, and he's the guy you want on your team where it's like, hey, we got to get going, and that guy's a self-starter, you know? So that was one. I know that was a little bit of like, Dude, uh, you know, but. I love that. That, that might have been the best five minutes of podcast we've ever done. I didn't even say a word. All right. All right. So on that topic, the most debated players in this class, can I have, can I, is it no, fair to say Brandon Ninnis? You have the T box. Okay. I would say Brandon Ninnis. We've talked about him at length to me, Peter Woods, right? Like we've talked about this guy, six, three <laughs> plus 275 pounds. We've talked about him on this podcast and it's like, man, I hope this guy didn't come back to haunt me and talk oh. about like a ton of rain, like, Dude, this guy's such a good player, and he's going to be a good player at the next level. And I can totally see him going to Clemson and day one having an impact there. And then we're just going to have to eat it on the chin for three years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe he gets picked in the second round. Maybe he gets picked in the first round. But to me, that's been the one. The other thing on that, though, is like it's not like you or Gabe or Chris has like been beating down my door on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like once the logic is conveyed, I feel like we in the, in the dust has settled. I feel like we, we've all kind of ended up in the same place. Yeah. Well, no, I did text you at Under Armour check-in. I'm like, what are you talking about? He, I'm like, he, he's not small. And you're, you're like, I didn't say he was small. You, 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 I said he was sawed off. 
and this is right after the holidays. Um, and then I saw him in shoulder pads, and he definitely has sawed off. I hated so. that text so much. I know. I know. I love you, bud. Uh, uh, I just... most, most debated for me, how about the three running backs? And you want us to really open up the curtains and, and let you know how this, this goes down? Like, we went back and forth about how to stack those three running backs, Ruben Owen, Cedric Baxter, Justice Haynes. Um, you know, we finalize it. Another sheet, it looks a different way. And then at the last minute, it changes again, and Baxter moves ahead of Owens. Like, we went back and forth all week about these running backs. Um, so th- they definitely deserve, and we've talked about them all, all three already. I feel good about that. I feel good about the final order. Yeah. I, I, to me, if it was me, I would have had Baxter, Justice Haynes, and then Ruben Owens. But I get it. Like I said earlier, I mean, I think you can put it in a hat, whatever, which way, and you're good. All right, Drew, fun, fun topic here category i should say favorite tape who was yours you can only Sounds pick one don't don't do the one a one b and you can pick other guys but just start with one all right sunscreen perkins state title game loved it i've watched it like four times that's the linebacker headed i to can't Ole believe Miss. It. i can't believe that didn't pop in my head he's definitely okay. the he's definitely the most fun for me like the guy that i just fell in love with like just watching his evolution was Avery Johnson. Just like super dynamic. I understand he's playing in Kansas, but he's got like a receiver skill set playing quarterback, and he continues to to develop as a quarterback. Now he's got those Kenny Pickett hands, eight and a half inches. So maybe we'll see some gloves on him at the next level. But like, man, I love his game. All uh, right, now now who's yeah, your next guy? Yeah. Lincoln Kineholtz, the Ohio State quarterback signee out of out of South Dakota. Um, Those dudes are pretty similar. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's the same thing, like this athletic guy playing quarterback, still kind of figuring it out, um, which for some reason people think that's a negative when you say still trying to figure it out. Like I'm just saying, like you're not a complete product. Relax. Um, (laughs) First plays in in a dome because he's in South Dakota against a school called T as in T-E-A. Um, don't know if that's actually a school. Love that. Are they yeah. British? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Uh, but no, his is fun. It's fun, and, and it's fun just because as you go through the, the highlight clips, the, the background of where he's playing always changes. Like, I don't think they – remember that Notre Dame-USC game where, where Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart were there and, and Notre Dame grew out the grass to slow down Reggie Bush? Do you remember that? Right. Yeah, same thing. Same thing at, at Lincoln Kinehold School. Like I, I don't know how often they mow that thing, uh, but natural grass that is is pretty high um, and thick. Little sidebar here. I remember one time I was breaking down tape in Washington, and we we're watching this guy from Montana, and like all of a sudden, just a you know like small ball, high grass as you're talking about, right? Like there's mountains in the background, and then all of a sudden, just like a German Shepherd just runs on the field. <laughs> I was like, what, what is this, you know? But all right, anyway, all right, honorable mentions for me, King Mac, and you'll love this one, Lewis Carter. I yeah. love the way I love the way that dude plays, man. Hair on fire, just violent at the point of attack, small, but he plays big, you know? I, I said it on a – I was on a radio show in Oklahoma City. Like, he's not talked about enough in – in uh, OU's defensive class. Like I, they got some headliners, but Lewis Carter was a really, really nice get for them. They're kind of spooky, Oklahoma, 
Like they they just they've put together a really really good defensive haul, and I feel like we haven't really just talked about them enough. All right, Drew, the next one category it's called no feels. It means that I just don't have a feel on this guy, and like sometimes I walk away from the tape, I walk away from the profile, and I'm like, I have no idea. So the two for me, two pass rushers, Jordan Renaud out of Texas. He's going to Alabama, and it's like, is this guy going to be a jack? Is he going to be a defensive lineman? You turn on the tape, it's pedestrian. You see him live, and you're like, I think this guy's a top 100 player. He was really tough. The other guy, Bubacar, Bubacar Traore, heading to Notre Dame. Graceful, like playing small ball northeast. Moves really well. Limited tape. As a COVID, it's banged up this year. And we can't move him down because he's just intriguing. Yeah. You know, like those are my two. I think I'm the only person that's ever like seen him in person. It was like in the pandemic at a camp at IMG Academy. Uh, Pancake Honcho was also there. Uh, but I think that's the only time he's ever worked out or, or done anything. Shout uh, out Bubu. to the Honcho. Yeah, Pubacar. Uh, for me, I just got one. Like I just don't have a, a feel for this guy. And maybe it's because we're completely wrong on this guy, but but Peyton Bowen. Um, That's a great one. Safety. Is he headed to Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, it was like – He Notre changed Day. his mind about three or four times on signing day, but he's going to Oklahoma. Like uh, other other services are, are super high on him. We got him, what, late round two? Close late to round two, yeah. Yeah. Like I get it, but I I just I don't get it, and maybe we're overthinking it. And I, the term I use for him is like he'll hit you, but he's only going to hit you if it's like a lay, like if it's presented to you. If the opportunity there is for him to make a hit, then yeah, he's going to be physical. But I don't I don't think he really wants that smoke on a, a snap to snap basis. So maybe maybe I I just. Uh, that, that's why he's here. I have no feel. I, I I don't. I can't figure it out. I do think he's going to be um, a regular on special teams, but he's a guy that I just haven't been able to pin him down as to what he really is and at what makes him wanted by the best and what made his recruitment so crazy uh, on signing day. He leaves a little bit to be desired in terms of the contact courage, but you know, like I can live with that. Like I obviously I don't prefer it. But you look at the athlete, you look at the way that he moves. He's got a lot of range. He's versatile. He can play man. He's got good ball skills. That alone, in addition to testing well, can get you drafted in the top 50. You know, so like I don't really think he's that different than Joe Noel Aguero from an athletic standpoint. But from a physicality and football player standpoint, I do think there is a difference there, which is you know, why the, why the distance kind of represents that. All right, Drew, last category, we came up with this late. I pick one for you, you for me. This is called the guardian angel. Okay, and what I mean by this is who have you shepherded throughout this evaluation process to be like, that's my guy. I'm fighting for you. That's my guy, except I'm picking for you and you're picking for me. All right, so who was your guy for me that you felt like, I shepherded it like I had my arm around figuratively the entire time and said, hey, let's go into the top 64. 
Let's get into the top 32. Maybe this guy should be in more conversations. Well, I texted you one, and you said you didn't like it. So I'm going to give you my, my second one. Jackson Arnold, the quarterback. How do you feel about that? I had three in my mind. You told me the first one. It was a Lance Hurd, correct? Yeah, it's a Lance Hurd. No, I, I loved him. I think I was just a little bit insecure with him, and then we turned on the senior tape, and I think everybody got on board. That was just a matter of time. Jackson Arnold, to me, is just like day one, ready. I think we changed the comp on him to Sam Howell, right? He, um, I'm on board with that. The third one I would have said would have been Tamari and Parker. Yeah. That's a good one. But I like that. All right, for me, it's just just one guy, Jakeem Jackson. I mean, that is that has been your guy <laughs> since the very beginning. I mean, all the, since the first time we saw him, I remember you you were like, hey, can you watch this guy? I was like, yeah. And then I was like, right, we should probably get this guy into the top 250. And then all of a sudden, he's just been on a, a rocket ship to Mars since then. I think he's going to finish top 50 for us, Drew. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And – you know, I'm headed to Orlando this weekend for Orlando Pylon, uh, another seven-on-seven seven tournament. Yay. Um, but it was a year ago where I came across him. He had only played a few games at corner, thought he had a chance, and look how, look how far he's come, right? Uh, headed to Florida, uh, a guy that a lot of people fought for down the stretch. Um, cornerback, one type of traits. And, and it's going to be fun to watch him develop over the years. Yeah, I like him a lot. That was a big gift for for Corey Raymond. It almost looms larger now, you know, considering Cormani McLean. Everybody thought he was potentially going to end up in Gainesville at Florida. They get Jakeem Jackson. I, I could see Jakeem Jackson really developing into to a first-round talent. So, all right, Andrew, that about wraps things up for us. Any final thoughts before we tap out of here? I mean, you, your first one is done. How does it feel? How you when you put your head on the pillow tonight? How are you going to feel? Well, I as people are listening to this, I'm should be driving home from FAU basketball, number twenty one in the country, going to my first game of the season tonight. So hopefully they win. I'm I'm not going to jinx it, um, and uh, I'm hopefully I can sleep good because I, I'm ready and I'm glad to be done with this one, and I'm ready to do a ton more coop with you and, and the rest of the gang so 2024 we get right into it um i don't even want to tell you right now we probably got like two weeks until that release for the 2024 ranking so buckle up goodness gracious goodness gracious yeah no you know credit to to gabriel brooks and chris singletary obviously neither of them have made an appearance on the show yet and we hope to get them on at some point, but those guys put in a lot of work, as does Andrew. Done a great job leading us to the promised land here. And guys, we appreciate you joining us as always. I know that was like our nerdiest show yet, but it was the most enjoyable show for me. I don't know how you feel, Andrew, but that's the stuff I love talking about. But it, guys, yeah, go ahead. Final thoughts. I, I was going to say it was thoughts. fun. It was fun. I told you I wanted to have fun, and we had fun. Good. I like that from you. I need more fun out of you. Come in here stressed a lot of times. No, all good. Fun podcast. All right, for Andrew Ivins, our director of scouting, our producer, Lance Glenn, big show for him, Isaiah Pacheco, shout outs. And for me, your national recruiting analyst, Cooper Patagna, we appreciate you listening to the College Football Recruiting Podcast with the Oyster Boys. We will see you 
next week. Have a great weekend. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.